0: Book, The Sequel. First Lines from the Classics of the Future by Inventive Imposters. Edited by Clive Priddle. Copyright 2009 by the Perseus Books Group. Introduction Copyright 2009 by Jeffrey Nunberg. Published in the United States by Public Affairs, a member of the Perseus Books Group. All rights reserved. On the Making of Sequels by Jeffrey Nunberg. Side Himite Benengeli recounts in the second part of this history, which concerns Don Quixote's Third Sally, that the priest and the barber went almost a month without seeing him, so as not to revive past events and bring them back into his memory. Cervantes, Opening Sentence of Don Quixote, Part 2. We are all like Scheherazade's husband, in that we want to know what happened next. E. M. Forster, Aspects of the Novel. It is the fate of sequels to disappoint the expectations of those that have waited for them. So wrote Robert Louis Stevenson, as it happened prophetically in his dedication of the novel Katrina, a sequel to the wildly popular Kidnapped, which had appeared seven years earlier. In a way, the point follows from the logic of natural selection. It's only the most successful books that get sequels, by and large, so the odds are stacked against an author's being able to duplicate the earlier achievement. Often, in fact, the author is well advised not to try. Stevenson might have left well enough alone after Kidnapped, Defoe after Robinson Crusoe, Alcott after Little Women, Huxley after Brave New World. On the other hand, think what we would have missed out on if all authors had been reluctant to expand on their past successes. No Part Two of Don Quixote, no Marriage of Figaro, no Through the Looking Glass, no Zuckerman Unbound we'd have to forego the best parts of Trollope and Balzac, not to mention the prolonged companionship of Horatio Hornblower and Harry Potter. In any case, that sense of incompletion follows from the nature of the novel itself. However satisfying and decisive the resolution of the conflict, the ending of the story leaves us wistful. As G. K. Chesterton said, "'A story can never be too long, for its conclusion is merely to be deplored, like the last halfpenny, or The Last Pipelight. And if the characters and scene are engaging, we want to continue our acquaintance with them. Tradition holds that Queen Elizabeth was so taken with Henry IV that she commanded Shakespeare to write a sequel that would show Falstaff in love, the result being The Merry Wives of Windsor. I'm told that tradition has probably got this story wrong, but we can all understand why a spectator would crave more of Falstaff, just as readers have craved more of Elizabeth Bennet, heathcliff and james bond and since unlike queen elizabeth we're not in a position to command a continuation we can only throw ourselves on the mercy of the author or failing that of an obliging artisan who will take up where the author left off with or without permission it is said that cervantes was so indignant over the appearance of a pseudonymous sequel to the first part of don quixote that when he came to write the second part he made sure to kill his hero off at the end rather than allowing him a tranquil old age so as to forestall the possibility of other unauthorized versions to no avail it goes without saying hence the insatiable appetite for more recent news of our heroes and heroines as witnessed the stupefying number of spin-offs of pride and prejudice mr darcy's daughters mrs darcy's dilemma a letter from lady catherine affinity and affection postscript from pemberley and, hence, too, the modern urge to redress the slights and injustices that characters have suffered at the hands of authors, burdened by unexamined preconceptions and antiquated prejudices. Jean Rhys pioneered the genre in The Wide Sargasso Sea, really a prequel to Jane Eyre, which took up the cause of the first Mrs. Rochester, The Mad Woman in the Attic. Fo J.M. Coetzea's anti-colonialist retelling of Robinson Crusoe, Alice Randall's The Wind Done Gone, Peter Carey's Jack Maggs, which reworks great expectations from the point of view of the convict, Magwitch. Recent fiction has shown just how many changes can be rung on this theme. But however deadpan their tone, these exercises are never far from the preposterous once we give ourselves license to reinvent a story extending it revising it altering its voice or point of view wrenching it out of its place and time we also unleash all the comic possibilities of travesty a literary composition